Um, today we're going to be looking at 1 John. So if you'd like to turn your Bible with me to 1 John chapter 4. We've been in a series where we've been talking about hearing from the Lord. Prior to Christmas, we talked about calling on God and how he hears our prayers. Then at Christmas, we talked about how he responds. He has answered our prayers with his son. So by sending Jesus is the ultimate answer to all of our prayers of deliverance, of hope, of Lord, we need you. How has he answered those prayers? The Bible tells us God showed his love for us in this while we were yet enemies. While we were God's enemies, not that we were good enough, that, not that we earned his favor, not that, that we were special enough or we had status enough, not that we had enough uh, good things that we did, but while we were his enemies, Christ died for us. God sent his son who took the wrath and punishment for our sin, that we might be justified by his blood, by his life poured out for us. The second person of the Trinity died for us that we would have life. Not only that, but not he took the wrath of sin and died for us, but he rose again. And that news is so good because if he had just died and stayed dead, it wouldn't matter. But the fact that he rose to life again means he's defeated sin, he's defeated death, which is the product of sin, and he's guaranteed for us life. It also means that in union with Christ, he's put his righteousness on us. Now this is amazing because when God looks at you, if you believe in Jesus and you belong to him, when God looks at you, he doesn't see a screw-up with a blank slate. A lot of Christians think that God saves us so we get a blank slate to try again. The reality is God does not let us try again because we fail all the time. Instead, he took the punishment and wrath for our failure and put all of the credit of the goodness that he's done upon us so you are made righteous. You know the Bible describes you as a saint, as a holy one, as one set apart for God himself, as a priest unto him, as a joint heir with Christ, as a son or daughter of the Almighty. That's how you're described. What an amazing transfer. Adopted into his family, made his, made clean and made righteous. What a great hope that we have. So when we say God has answered us with his son, so much more than we could have even asked for or hoped for. He's given us in his son. And as David told us this morning at the table, he still responds. Wow. Answers our prayers. Praise God. So we've been talking together about because the Lord does respond to us, how do we know what he's saying? How do we know uh, today how to follow him and what to do. And I'm talking about in regular life situations. So you're, you're walking down the street and you think, I think the Lord is telling me to do something. How do you know what that is? So Roy, can we have our next slide, please? We're going to look together about testing the spirits. The book of 1 John tells us that we need to test the spirits. We need to come to the word of God and we need to know what his voice sounds like because we know him. In relationship with God, we're able to discern his voice, but also we test all the things that we hear so that we can be clear. Can we go to the next slide, please? If you'll turn with me to 1 John chapter 4, 1 through 6, we're going to read it together. 1 John 4, 1 through 6. This is what the apostle tells us. He says, Beloved, speaking to the church, that's you, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you will know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. 
This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Um, let me pause there real quick. Have you heard that verse before? He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. What is that in reference to? In context, it is not about running a marathon. I ran a half marathon, and there was a, a gentleman in front of me who was um, maybe 30 years older than me, and I in front of me, um, running faster than me, and that was on the back of his shirt the whole way, and I was frustrated with him because I couldn't. I passed him three times. He kept passing me. He's like, "Come on, young man, got it." It's not about running a marathon. Now, is the, can you do great feats through God? Sure. But what is the context here? That you might know him who called you. He has overcome the world. And now in the context of testing the spirits, you know because you already stand in his victory. And you can identify the things that are righteous in him and the things that are not. Verse 5. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world. And the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So if we're going to boil that down, the one critical element to know what is the spirit of God, what is the Lord speaking, if it glorifies and proclaims Jesus and he is lifted up in accordance with his gospel, it's from God. If it does not glorify and proclaim Jesus, it's not from God. Now, that's important because, let's be honest, a lot of the times when we're looking to God and we're praying about something, we're asking the Lord for something. Sometimes those things are things that we want. And it's not bad to want things. It's not bad to need things. You should bring all of our requests before God. All of us should all the time. We should all be dependent on him all the time. But sometimes when we hear things that are from a selfish root, that have nothing to do with the glory or kingdom of God, we need to be careful and discerning. Just because it sounds good doesn't mean it is good. When I was in college, one of my good friends uh, made a cheese pie. Now, you've heard of cheesecake. You've heard of cheesecake. This was not cheesecake. This was a cheese pie. It was a pie crust with about eight pounds of cheese melted into it. It was so dense and heavy that after they baked said cake of cheese, there's a fromage dish, I don't know. They, they took this thing, they cut it open, when they took out the first slice, it just kind of blooped together again and appeared like nothing had happened to it. Okay, then my friend, so excited, ate the cheese pie piece, which was delicious for about 37 seconds. But he, the guy ate melted cheese, a pound of melted cheese in about 30 seconds. And for three days suffered the consequences because it seemed so great in the moment. It was everything he wanted. Eight pounds of cheese until it's in your stomach. And then you're like, whoa, this was not a good idea. <laughs> now, college kids sometimes don't discern everything. We were all there. If you're a college kid, God bless you. We're all learning. Okay. Having said that, though, how do we discern then? Because sometimes we see things and it looks, the cheese pie looks so perfect. And it bloops back together. It must be from God. It's never-ending cheese. It's a miracle. It's from him. But then you eat it, and you're like, well, that was not from him. That was not from him. It's like going to White Castle for lunch. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Come on, White Castle's great. I had, I'm telling on my dad here. I had a meeting with my, my dad recently, 
And I called him up. I said, hey, Dad, are we on for breakfast tomorrow still? And he goes, son, I, I don't feel good. I'm not going to be able to make it. I was like, OK, what we'll reschedule. And so we were supposed to meet in the afternoon. And he called me. And he goes, hey, I, I still don't feel good. I was like, all right. Two days later, we finally got together. I said, are you OK? I, I know there's been bugs going around. He goes, truth be told, I, I ate White Castle. <laughs> he goes, I have it once a year. He goes, it put me down for 48 hours. <laughs> so I was like, Dad, White Castle is so delicious. But it, hmm, it's a thing. It's a thing. Praise the Lord. <laughs> All right, Roy, can we have our next slide, please? So what do we do? What do we do? How do we know? The first thing that we do is we pray. As we pray, we come to the Lord. We ask him for help. We discern the spirits by coming to the source. Come to the Lord. Lord, is this from you? If it is from God, he's going to make it clear. If it's not from God, he's going to make it clear. Because he's alive, and he's speaking to us, and he's guiding us, and we know him, and we're in relationship with him. And the first thing that we need to do is discern, does this sound like him? And we do that through relationship with him, but we ask him and go straight to the source. I'm saying this because there is no magic incantation. We're not magicians. We're not doing sorcery. We're coming to the king of the universe and saying, Lord, we come because of your son, You've made us joint heirs with him, and I'm coming to speak to you. I know you love me, and I love you. Lord, I'm, I'm asking you about this opportunity. What is this thing? Lord, help me pay this bill. Lord, I'm concerned about this. Lord, I'm in dire straits. I need your healing. Whatever it is, we come to him, and we know that he responds to us, but that's in relationship. It's not some kind of magic spell thing that we do. And a lot of people in the world are hoping that they get some kind of special knowledge that somehow we're going to have some kind of special thing that's going to unlock all the answers and you know, somehow we'll get some sort of thing. Some people think ancestors are going to come to them and give them the answer because they know. Let's go straight to the source and say, Lord, because we trust you, we need to know. What do you say? And now the Lord may, maybe an angel shows up. Maybe you're whisked into his presence and you know for certain it's him. Maybe. But there are ordinary ways, too that God uses to, to explain to us what he's doing. And these ordinary ways are more ordinary than you think. Number one ordinary way, your family. Your spouse is your number one ordinary way. Right now there's a lot of husbands like, I won't buy that Corvette. You know, whatever it is. Spouses are, why? Because the Lord has joined you with somebody. And the mystery of that relationship together is that your relationship mirrors Christ and his church so that your communion together would be a testimony to him. How great is that? And also you sharpen each other as you grow in sanctification. And God uses marriage as sanctification, doesn't he? In lots of ways. But also when we get ideas, we, you know, I, here's what I'm trying to say really bluntly. Don't keep something from your spouse. I think the Lord spoke to me. I want to buy an RV. Probably something you should say before you're at the lot. <laughs> right? Now, if, if your wife says or your husband says, wow, I've been thinking about that too. Well, I wasn't expecting that. That's interesting. Let's go find out about it and be wise and slow. It doesn't mean go buy the RV. Does that make sense? But a lot of people run into trouble because they hide things from their spouse, like guitars we buy on Craigslist. <laughs> That we just, you know, keep at the office instead of bring home? What? Nobody said that. I'm just saying, let's not do that. Let's not do that. 
Because what, what good does that do? Does that sound like the Lord? No, it does not. Are we free to buy guitars on Craigslist? I hope so. <laughs> or whatever it is, or hobbies, or plants, or go get our hair done, or do whatever. Praise the Lord for all those things. Praise the Lord for using money and spending resources that he gives us. Those are all good things. But if we have to hide what we're doing, that's not righteousness, peace, or joy. And so here's a good gut check. My wife's going to be okay with what I'm doing right now. And I'm not even talking about sin. I'm just talking about whatever it is. Because if you can't walk through that with the partner God's given you, the helpmate that God's given you, if you can't trust your husband that he's doing okay, if you can't walk together, if you know that your husband's going to be upset with what thing you're buying right now, let's just at least have a conversation about it. This would probably solve a lot of divorce in America. I'm not being funny. Because people try to live independent, separate lives. You know, it is a lie. It is a lie if God joins you together to your spouse that you're going to have separate ministries, that you're going to do separate things. Now, there's, there's, there's authorities and structures, right? So I'm the pastor of the church. Lisa's not the pastor of the church, for instance. But also, Lisa's not trying to go start a new church. That would be weird, wouldn't it? Yeah. It's a lie that, that you're supposed to find this thing that's yours and yours alone if God's joined you to somebody. You're supposed to walk that together. Okay, that's another. We're getting into a different sermon here. Getting into a different sermon. So what do we do? We pray. We use the ordinary means God has given us. Here's the first ordinary means that God has given us. Ask the elders. Ask the elders. Rory, can you go to the next slide, please? The body is described in the word as being a group that comes together for the mutual upbuilding of each other in Jesus Christ that we would build each other up, that all the functions and pieces and parts of the body would function together in spiritual gifts so that Jesus is glorified in all things and also so that every person is clearer about him, loves him more, walking more in righteousness, doing good deeds, reaching out to people, helping the poor. This is what the church does. And when we come together, we have this amazing thing where maybe somebody's gifted to preach and open the word. Maybe somebody else has a gift of faith. You ever been around somebody for a while and you're just, I mean, you, are, you walked into it like, I don't know how I'm going to pay this bill. And you walked out of it like, the Lord is over all things. And you just have this, like something in you has changed. Where does that come from? It's a gift of faith. That somebody has a gift of faith. You know, people have the gift of hospitality. Everybody can open their home, but you know somebody with a gift of hospitality. You go to their house and it's like, I belong here, right? That's amazing. God gives us that in the body. People have gifts of healing. People have words of knowledge. Wouldn't you want somebody who is good at discerning life to pray with you? Hey, I have an opportunity for a new job. It's in Toledo. Pray with me. And they stand with you in prayer for two weeks and seek the Lord with you, and somebody with a gift of faith comes alongside you, and they're talking to you and building you up. And if both of those people are like, I do not feel good about this, maybe you should think about that. Right? This is where the elders come in. What does the church government want to do for you? We love you. We want to know you. Sometimes people think like, you're not supposed to talk to elders. Like, don't bother us, because we shouldn't, you know, we want, you should be, you got to be free to do whatever you're doing, you know. That's not, it's not true. We want to know you. 
We want to know what's going on. We want to know when things are bad. We also want to know when things are good so we can celebrate with you. We want to know your birthdays. We, know you, we want to know your kids' names. We want to know you. And we want to know when things are going wherever or where you feel like you're hearing from God. And we can stand with you because guess what? The ministry of the church is not just me preaching to you. It's the body doing the ministry. So if you don't have any ability to talk to the leadership to do anything, I'm telling you, you have ability. You have it. Now, every idea you have, are we going to be able to all do it together? No. But also, maybe we can encourage you. Maybe we can stand with you. Maybe we can pray with you. Let's try, because we care for you. So we want to know you. We want to pray with you. We do pray for you, but we want to pray with you. We want to seek the Lord for you and counsel you. We want to unify the church together. Sometimes, I'm not the answer. Usually, Jerry's the answer. <laughs> Sometimes, David's not the answer. Swayze's usually also the answer. Um, having said that, though, sometimes, sometimes not, because God's also gifted us differently. But sometimes Dave Platt's the answer. Sometimes Sarah Schmidt's the answer. Sometimes Teresa Gillett's the answer. Of somebody who can come alongside you and talk to you and build you up, and, and that's good. And I'm saying that because there's this false thing of like, shouldn't, you know, I shouldn't get time with you unless there's a, I don't want to be a problem. You're, we're not, you're not a problem. We're the church together. This is good. We want to walk together. And so I'm saying that now, and Lisa's like, oh gosh, what are we going to do <laughs> with all the people coming over? Come over. We want you to come over. It's great. Our house will not be clean. We have five kids, but just come. Because we want to share life with you. We want to seek the Lord with you. And I'm saying that because our goal is that you are built up. And we are not always the answer for that. The body is the answer for that. So as we're doing things together, we got to do it together. Um, but a good conduit to do that is through the eldership because we'll connect you because we want to unify the people. Does that make sense? Which is good. Praise the Lord for that. So come to the elders. We are building the church together. Come to the elders. We're excited for what God is doing. Second thing that we need to do. Can you please go to the next slide? The Lord has also given us a body to lean on. This is Titus chapter 2. You can turn there if you'd like to. Titus chapter 2, 1 through 14 is also on the screen for you. Isn't that a cute little baby, Sal? Yeah. So cute. Here's what Titus 2, 1 through 14 says. We're going to take it in a couple little chunks. But as for you, this is Paul teaching to Titus, speaking to Titus, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine, they are to teach what is good. And so train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger man, the younger men to be self-controlled. I have a picture of a baby up here. My mom is a, um, IBCLC is a special term there, but she's a lactation consultant nurse. So she's a nurse that deals with babies and mommies and breastfeeding and all that kind of stuff. And um, I don't know anything about that. So I'm just going to throw that out there right there. But I don't know anything about that. But in our own children, um, I will mention one thing is, I think from talking to my mom and with our experience with our own kids, there are things with children that we thought would be just normal. We would know how to do. This will be easy. And breastfeeding is not one of those. 
Uh, but it's this big like myth that that's going to be, it's natural and it's going to work perfect. And it doesn't. And so my mom is constantly not telling me in, you know, big stories, but she's, all, she's got a lot of work because there's people that need help. And that's interesting to me. And I'm saying that because where would we be with a little baby human that we're holding that we love so much, who needs to eat and we don't know how to feed them without people who are wise in that? That's like when I was a new, I mean, I'm a new dad. I'm so excited, great. And then like, there's no sleep. There's no sleep for a week. So it doesn't matter how great a dad you want to be, after one week of no sleep, you're like, what's going on with this thing? It's amazing. We need help, don't we? In the same way, if the Lord births something in you, he speaks to you, you have a burden, you have a thought, you have something you feel like is from him. Why would we go about that alone to try to nurse it to health? It doesn't work. And so instead, what do we do? Titus is admonishing us. Older women, likewise, be reverent in your behavior. Get with the younger women. Younger women, get with the older women. You know, there's this thing out there. Um, I saw a study recently of millennials and Gen Z and now Gen A, which that's, guys, it's all, cha it's all changing for us. As I know, it's wild. Things are moving quickly. Um, but the, the younger people were saying how much they crave mentorship. They wish they had mentorship. There's this really weird thing right now that is this idea that we're supposed to know everything because technology gives us access to information. Um, I, I have a group of students I was teaching Bible to, and so I was talking to them. They're, they are um, some freshmen. I also have juniors and seniors. I was talking to the juniors and seniors, and I said, I said, guys, I need to tell you something. And they were like, okay. And I said, it is a lie that you have to map out your entire life today. It's a lie. I said, let's say you want to go to Stanford in California. Cool, great school, everybody knows its name, or Notre Dame or someplace. And you go to that school and you hate it. And you transfer schools. You're not a failure, you're a transfer. And there were two or three of them who looked at me like, you're lying to me. Because I have to know. I said, are you supposed to know at age 17 where you're going to go to college, what career you're going to have, who you're going to marry, how old you'll be when you'll take out certain tax benefits? What are you doing? you got to be 17 and then trust the Lord that he's guiding you. And so I told him, I said, talk to your parents about your opportunities, but watch for the Lord to speak to you through opportunities that he brings up. Because he does that. Don't miss the Lord speaking to you because you're so set on your way. And I'm telling you, these kids looked at me. One kid was like point of tears almost. And I'm saying that because the pressure of the anxiety of having it figured out. Guys, it's wild. There are studies happening right now that are finding that the anxiety level of teenagers today, age 17 to 19, is the same as was reported in insane asylums in the 50s. That's what they're saying. Because the culture is, you got to know everything. You have access to everything. You know how to do it all. They don't know how to do it all. None of us do. But they've grown up with this access to internet that some of us didn't. And so they feel this pressure that they have to know all the answers. And guess what? We pray. How many times have you gone into prayer like me, where you get 10 minutes in, and now you're doing research on your phone instead of actually listening to the Lord? Because that same pressure is in us. Maybe we should take a Sabbath and turn off the Wi-Fi and put your phone in a drawer. Get, just turn it off and come to the Lord without access to all the knowledge and say, Lord, I trust you. Hard to do.
Why is it hard to do? Because we're still from the garden. Can you trust and obey without knowing? It's from the garden. And the answer is, Lord, I trust you. I'll obey. And the first step is, what I think is birthed in me, I'm going to bring to somebody older than me. I'm going to bring to a discipler. I'm going to bring somebody I trust. I'm going to come to the elders, yes, but I'm also going to come and talk to my older brothers and sisters and say, what do you think about this? Can you pray with me? I think something might be happening. Wouldn't that be good? What would happen to our church if that's how we lived all together? If we were connected like that in each other's lives, we know each other, we're holding each other up, we're helping each other, and not just church like a networking event. A lot of people do it that way. I got a friend who does this, and it's just a networking event. All right, praise the Lord. He's good. He knows what he's doing. Can we have our next slide, please? Verse 7 says this, Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, that any, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Bond servants are submissive, are to be submissive to their own masters in everything, that they may be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith, so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. Can you go, Roy, can you do two slides down to why is this important, please? So why is this important? Titus 2 says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for the blessed hope that the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Why is this important? This relationship I'm talking about, leaning on the body. It's important because it points to Jesus. It points our lives to Jesus. It points our church to Jesus. It points our efforts to Jesus because God's goal in all this is that Jesus is glorified which sounds a lot like what 1 John says when he says, test the spirits. If it's about Jesus, you're going to know it's from him. It's not, has nothing to do with Jesus. It probably isn't. Um, Roy, can you go up to the one right before this, please? Um, this is weird in church. Bear with me, okay? This is going to be a little different. We're going to listen to a Johnny Cash song. Let's listen to it together, and then we'll talk about it here in just a second. I hurt myself today to see if I still feel I focus on the pain the only thing that's real the needle tears a hole the old familiar stain Try to kill it all away But I remember everything What have I become? My sweetest friend Everyone I know goes away in the end and you could have it all 
stay the hell away from me, you hear? I wear this crown of thorns upon my liar's chair full of broken thoughts I cannot repair beneath the stains of time the feelings disappear you are someone else I am still right here what have I become my sweetest friend everyone I know goes away in the air and you could have it all my empire of dirt If I could start again a million miles away, I would keep myself. I would find a way. Johnny Cash, one of the most successful American artists of all time, this song has been played almost 500 million times on YouTube. Um, man, he, he got it. He got the American dream. Rich, they had a museum about him. This was his last hit. What did the museum look like? It's dilapidated. Everything's broken inside. He's sitting at a table, a grand table, like a king, with nobody, with rotten food. And he says, you can have it all, my whole empire of dirt. What a sad song. At the end of his life, this is the last thing he recorded. What did it matter anyway? And I'm saying this to you. Be cautious. Discern the spirits. The American dream. Fame, getting everything you want, and your selfish desires are not God's voice. Not God's voice. What does God's voice sound like? It sounds like glorifying Jesus. It sounds like serving him. It sounds like well done, good and faithful servant. It sounds like moving through suffering. It sounds like seeing Jesus glorified in everything we do. It sounds like connecting with people that we don't expect in the body to build them up and they build us up. And now all of a sudden it's like, we're doing his work and it's so grand and maybe we don't get the fame that we all want. Maybe we don't all get the best race cars. Maybe we don't get all the mansions. But if Jesus' name is glorified, then he's made a place for us in his mansion. It's worth it, isn't it? Isn't it better than a pile of dirt? Because he's better than a pile of dirt. Lord, just to serve you, just to see you, just to serve you, God. It's worth everything. That's our prayer, isn't it? Why am I saying this to us? It's so important because Titus tells us this. 
we have renounced ungodliness and worldly passions. Now we live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, waiting for our blessed hope, waiting for Jesus Christ. Anything that you hear, even if it's everything you want, if it doesn't glorify Jesus, if it doesn't come to him, if it's not our knee bowed before him, if it's not his glory, what is it worth? It goes away in the end. So how do we discern the spirits? How do we know? Number one, pray. Ask him. He will show us because he's worthy and good and he lives. He'll speak to us. Secondly, ask the elders. Come to people, first of all, older than you, but then also the church actual elders because we want to stand with you. Let's take every opportunity that God gives us. Maybe it's him speaking. If it is, he's going to bless it. If it's not, we'll discern it together. Amen? Lastly, let's lean on the body. I think the Lord is saying this. And next week we'll talk about, what if we're in the moment and God says to me something like, do this right now. How do you know? Right? You're walking, it's, you're after the Cardinals game, here's the homeless guy, and what are you thinking in your head? Buy him a house. And you're like, I don't know if I can do that. Right? Or whatever. Is that the Lord? How do we know? Because we all have that moment too, right? Of like, I don't know what to do right now. And maybe it's something simple. Maybe it's something like, hey, tell that person about Jesus. Pray for that person to be healed. Probably the Lord saying that to somebody else. You know? So we'll talk about that next week. But in the meantime, for all the big decisions, for all the things, know this. The Lord loves you so much. He sent his only son who died for you while you were yet his enemy. How much more now that you're his child, now that you belong to him, how much more will he lavish his love, grace, attention on you? How much more will he make things clear for you? He doesn't want you living in confusion. He wants you walking in his grace. And he'll make it clear. And we'll stand with you because sometimes there's angst as we wait. Isn't there? There is. But he's good. He's good. Fix your eyes on him. Maybe today turn off the Wi-Fi for a little bit. And just come to him. Amen? Let me pray for you. Father, thank you. You are good. Lord, we want to serve you with our lives. Lord, I pray right now for all the questions that are coming up to you. Lord, for all the heart cries, the heart concerns. Lord, all the things that are on our minds. Lord, as we dive into these big topics that are not just little things. Lord, help us. Will you, by your spirit, make it clear for us, please? Will you show us by your power what we should do? Lord, will you help us where we doubt and are not convinced and we don't know? Lord, help us establish our foot by you and your word and not by what we do. Lord, we look to you. Lord, I pray that every unanswered resource, Lord, every relationship that's in trouble, Lord, every person that we're reaching out to to be saved, Lord, every next step that we're not sure about, Lord, every every marriage that we're wondering about, Lord, every, every school decision that we don't know, every job decision that we don't know, Lord, every big purchase that we're not sure about, Lord, will you make the way? Lord, you show us. Your resources are just right. And so, Lord, we trust you. We trust you in Jesus' name, and I ask you for blessing on every person here to know your presence, your peace, and your joy. In Jesus' name, amen.